0: University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. Walt Disney once said, the way to get started is, is to quit talking and begin doing. And there might uh, not be a more notable expression of a statement of a man who literally turned a cartoon mouse into a multi-trillion dollar company. Disney's imagination has led to countless films and theme parks, uh, but equally countless dreams and experiences for so many. The way you get started, is to quit talking and begin doing, is classified as an apathem. An apothem joins the club of words that are not pronounced the way that you spelled them. Another notable word in this club is hors d'oeuvres. I mean, just spell it the way it's supposed to be spelled. It, it makes no sense how it's spelled, but yet we're supposed to somehow read it and pronounce it the right particular way. Apathem comes from the Greek word uh, epitheme, which means something clearly spoken or declared. And we're in this series, Apathem, Eight Simple Statements That Will Change Everything. And we recognize that sometimes a, a remark can cause us to pause and to rethink things. Sometimes the power of saying short things, take for example the phrase, thank you, can change so much in our lives. For this, we take a look at the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 2. Now, this two-part book is the story of the priest Samuel, King Saul, and King David. This uh, drama is a metaphor of Israel's continued struggle to be faithful to the God who chose them, brought them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them into the Promised Land. And coming out of the book of Judges, uh, Israel's biggest struggle is mixing their religious practices with the other religious practices in the Canaanite region. And this just wasn't offering a sacrifice to the chief gods of the Canaanites, Baal and Asherah. They also practiced the cultic worship practices. This included things like religious prostitution and, and extreme necessities, child sacrifices, if there were droughts. Oh, the fun things you didn't realize were in the Bible. So for this, we'd look at 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3, which reads, So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the Asteriths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Asteriths and serve the Lord only. Uh, not to go all prophetic on you, but sometimes when we read a text like this, we feel like we can't connect to it because we don't worship false gods but what kind of silly practices do we bring into our everyday lives with the hope of bringing us good fortune and productivity in our endeavors? What kind of balls do we prop up in our homes and workplaces with the hope to bring us good luck and benefits? We don't erect carved wooden asterisk poles in the middle of our communities, but we often raise monuments to gods and goddesses of our lives, like time free time, money, power, consumerism, people, emotions, causes, relational power, sexuality, and agendas. What else would you call the stuff that we have in our lives that we use to try to validate ourselves and validate others? I haven't seen the cultic prostitution houses in Baton Rouge, maybe I'm just not driving in the right parts of town. But I wonder if we consider how we might, I know this might sound harsh, prostitute ourselves out for the things that we feel like we need to make us successful, to make us more lucrative to others. We have a God that gives us all that we need, and yet we keep looking for other things. And too often it's it's looking into other people, other stuff, other things, other passions. And most likely we're not making child sacrifices uh, to vie for the God's favor. But how often do we allow the misfortune of other people's children for the sake of cheaper clothes, less expensive products, or better opportunities for our own children? It's a sacrifice that we're willing to make because we don't see them and know them, which makes us not feel guilty for the suffering that someone else's kid might endure. So maybe Baal and Asterisks aren't ancient gods, but the objects of modernity. But also at the heart of this moment in Israel's history is that the people had forgotten the God and the many things that God had done for them. They were an organized conscription of tribes because of God. They were in this land because of God. Their forebears made it through the wilderness wandering because of God. They were freed from slavery in Egypt because of God. They were a chosen people because of God. And their existence as a people, but equally as important as human beings, was because of God. And this is a struggle that we too are familiar with in the human race. We lack gratitude for God and God's involvement in our life. And I'll put myself at the forefront of the line of making this mistake. How often do we fail to recognize God's role in the gifts and strengths that make us successful at work? the people we've encountered that have improved our lives, the favorable circumstances uh, that make our lives better, the success that fuels our path forward. And more often than not, we don't mean to. Sometimes we forget to recognize God's role in our success because we're so busy or overwhelmed with a project or task or set of circumstances. Sometimes we take for granted the favorable circumstances that we've been afforded to us, such as a family that raised us, the school that taught us, the job that pays us, the connections that bridge a greater connection for us, the community that presents opportunities for us, the rights given to us by not our own doing. We have immersed ourselves into this consumer culture that teaches us to think always what we lack and what others have that we do not. And so we never count the numerous blessings in our life because we think of all the things that we don't have. And to a fault, we take credit for the success and blame others when we fail. We often fail to express gratitude to God because in doing so, we are recognizing that it wasn't just me that caused this good thing to happen. And we don't like the feeling of being indebted to others. This is the same reason we have a hard time asking for help, which we discussed a couple weeks ago, since we don't want to owe anyone else anything. And more often than not, we don't recognize God's hand in our life because we are scared to be vulnerable of what might God might respect of us in, in return. As one person put it, ingratitude has become the norm, corrodes social bonds, and undermines public trust, leading to societies built on rights and entitlements rather than duties and obligations, societies built on me rather than us. And since we often lack an awareness of God's involvement in our life and subsequent Gratitude that we should acknowledge. We therefore cannot find ourselves in the exact same place of the people of Israel. Floating back and forth between allegiance to Baal and Asherah and the God of creation. And if we can't recognize God's work in our lives, I'm guessing it means we often lack gratitude for the people that help us every single day. Spouses, children, parents, co-workers, friends, neighbors, the church and even complete strangers, it's so hard to say thank you. There's a horribly classic sermon illustration that comes to mind. You've probably heard it before. There's a man who's wakened suddenly, the cold feeling of water. He sat up in bed, looking around his bedroom, was filled with water. And looking out the window, he realized that a flash flood had enveloped his home in water. So he scrambles to the roof just in time when he cries out to God for help. Soon, a neighbor comes by in a canoe asking the man to jump aboard, but the man declines, stating that he's waiting for God to help. As the waters rose, he called out to God for help. Soon, a rescue team came by in a motorized boat asking him to jump aboard, but he declines, stating that he was waiting for God to help. The waters rose even further, forcing the man onto the chimney as he cried out to God for help. Soon, a helicopter hovering above lowers a ladder to the man but the man declines, stating that he was waiting for God to help. Needless to say, the man died, and when he stood before God, he berated God, stating, I asked you for help, and you did nothing. And God responded, What do you call a canoe, a motorized boat, and a helicopter? We've heard this story before. To the Hebrew people's credit, they listened to Samuel's speech. They recognized what they were doing wrong, They recognize God's involvement in their life, and they change their way of thinking and living. Samuel calls the people to return to God. This is a Hebrew word, shavim, which means uh, to repent. Repentance literally translates, change your way of thinking and living. And the people turned back to God. They reconsidered their ways. They we were willing to move forward into what God knew was best for them. They proclaimed fidelity and gratitude to God only. It takes a lot to admit when we're wrong. When we fail to recognize God's leadership in our lives, when we fail to say thank you for the help we've received from God through others, stop and consider closely how the hand of God has blessed your life. That job. That passion that led to success, that friendship that brings joy, that relationship that transcends love, the family that bolstered opportunities for you, that connection within the community that gave you an upper hand, that church family that stood by your side when you experienced loss. God is inviting us into a life of gratitude, not because God needs to feed God's ego. But because we need to recognize the many blessings bestowed upon us by saying thank you, we recognize our need for God. And like Israel, we can become too blind to our own self-interest and ego that recognizes that we don't know it all. We don't make the best choices all the time, and we need help. There's a case study that was conducted by the University of California at Berkeley in which The people uh, were separated into three different groups. And all the participants uh, were people who had sought out treatment for depression and mental health struggles. Group one received counseling. They were asked to write one letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks. Group two, while receiving counseling, were asked to write a personal journal about their deepest thoughts and feelings about negative feelings. And group three just received counseling. And the results were fascinating. They found that group one saw significant mental health improvement. In fact, they concluded that expressing gratitude carries a greater benefit than just counseling alone. In fact, Abundant research has found that gratitude is a natural medicine for our soul. For one, the brain associates gratitude with uh, life-enhancing states of joy and tranquility and consciousness and enthusiasm and empathy. And adversely, compared to ingratitude, uh, has feelings of anxiety and heartbreak and loneliness and regret and envy. And researchers have found that through gratitude the brain reconstructs pathways and releases the chemicals dopamine and serotonin which leads to feelings of joy and consciousness and enthusiasm and more in fact studies have linked gratitude to increased satisfaction and motivation and energy with better sleep better health reduced stress and sadness it's like god knows what god is talking about when God states in scripture, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will provide thanksgiving to God. See, gratitude transforms our life, our understanding, our way of seeing through the world, and God's work in and through our lives. And that gratitude toward God is about to be put to test because look at what happens in verse 7. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had a symbol at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. Out of the frying pan and into the fire, the Hebrew people found themselves walking out of uh, the dangers of false worship practices and into the grasp of an invading army. And they went from a place of extreme gratitude to extreme fear in a matter of moments. And when What a roller coaster of an emotional experience. The Philistines capitalized on this vulnerable moment by sending an invading horde to disassemble the people. In the chapters leading up to our passage, the Hebrew people responded differently to the invading Philistines. In chapter 4, instead of calling on God's leadership, the people chose to weaponize the symbol of God and the Ark of the Covenant, carrying it into the battle. And the Israel army was decimated and the Ark was stolen by the Philistines. But this time was different. This time, their gratitude in God turned them to embrace God's leadership. So they begged Samuel to cry out to God for help and guidance. And as the priest lifts his prayer to God, a great thunderstorm descends upon the Philistine army, sending them into a panic, giving the Hebrew people a chance to group and to attack. And instead of the throes of the defeat, the Hebrew people found themselves in the celebration of victory. And this is an important lesson for us to take away about gratitude towards God. It should turn us to embrace the leadership of God. We call this faith. Faith is not just a belief in God, a set of theological bullet points that we consider to be true. Instead, faith is an ongoing journey of following God's leadership. And through gratitude, our faith is emboldened to trust in that God that has our best interest at heart, in everyday situations of our lives. In turn, we seek God's leadership daily through prayer and spiritual conversations as we encounter the challenges that we face each day. And it might not be an invading army, but it might be a challenging project at work. Marital stressors, trouble facing our children, medical struggles with our parents, injustices within our community, certainty and uncertainty about the future and the next steps we should take. When we are tuned into the blessings that God has bestowed in our lives, when we can recognize God's active work, then we are open to the leadership of God to help us navigate every aspect of our life. When we stepped out in faith uh, to start a church in 2011, we didn't exactly do it at the most ideal time. We had just had our first daughter, Madison, and Jennifer was staying home from work, which meant we were a single family income. But uh, I had a hard time finding a job to go along with this church start. I applied to multiple jobs in the nonprofit sector but couldn't land anything. And while I landed a job making minimum wage, we were worried about making ends meet. But without our knowledge, a member of the church that I had been serving that had commissioned us This member had been praying for months about ways that he could support us. And looking at his finances with his wife, he realized that he could pay for our family's health insurance for the first year of this church start. Mind you, this guy had a family of four kids on his own. But he felt he could do something amazing for us by sacrificing $750 a month to protect our family. It's amazing what can happen when we recognize God's blessings in our life and how that can impact others. One of the most remarkable aspects of this exhilarating chapter in in, in Israel's history was how the gratitude of God and gratitude of God's leadership saw them in themselves and others. In the midst of their worship and practices of culture of Baal and Asherah, the people became consumed with themselves. They were worried about how they would get success and satisfaction and pleasure. And yet, as they changed their way of thinking and living, they recognize it's not just about them, the individual me or I. And that's a, a power uh, in our life to move from, from a moment of gratitude from me into us and we. In our individual pursuit of recognizing and getting what is ours, we turn inward in envy into resentment, and that ruminates us into isolation. But when we recognize God's role in our life and the people God has placed in our lives, then we are, are unshackled from the toxic emotions and we strengthen our relationships. And gratitude embraces the collective capacity of we leading us to a greater personal growth and self-acceptance and stronger feelings of purpose and meaning. Israel faced an invading Philistine army, not as individuals, but as a united community, depending on one another and looking to the leadership of God. And our story concludes with this in verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mezpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading the Israelite territory. The Taj Mahal is a shrine to one man's dead wife. Stonehenge is probably the work of an ancient alien race. The Acropolis of Athens is a place of politics and philosophy and commerce and faith. The Roman Colosseum, a ground for gladiatorial fights. The Statue of Liberty, the Eiffel Tower, the Sphinx and Giza Pyramids of Egypt, Machu Picchu, Big Ben, the Wailing Wall, of Jerusalem, the list goes on of the world's greatest monuments. And each of these structures were erected to honor someone or to commemorate one great civilization of the world. Their visage tells the story of great deeds for good or for not. See, after the people had repented, turning their full heart back to God, after the Philistines tested their faith in in God, God made God's self known, and Samuel took a stone and placed it where God had done great thing, and he named it Ebenezer, which means, thus far the Lord has helped us. This is not the first time that stones have been placed or stacked to commemorate God's great work. If you recall the story of the people crossing into the promised land, through dry ground over the Jordan river they picked up stones and they stacked it remembering what god had done ebenezers are moments to recognize what god has done in the past what god is doing in the present and so most certainly what god is doing in the future and a life of gratitude makes ebenezers we stack stones of remembrance and gratitude and we do this in several important ways the first way is, is in the most important way is by expressing our gratitude in, in a prayerful word. The most obvious way to do this is through prayer. Daily recognizing with God through conversations the ways that you've seen God at work in your life and the people you love. Naming those blessings and thanking God for, for them is crucial. A- imagine how your day might be different if you began your day and ended your day with a word of gratitude towards God. In the morning, it is the grace of God to wake up, to have breath, to have a comfortable bed, to have shelter. And at the end of the day, the myriad of ways you saw God at work in nature, the people you encountered, the wisdom you gained from listening and observing, the influences you had on others. Anthropologists have found that the act of journaling is a critical outlet for expressing our gratitude. In writing, we put into words what our heart and our soul is experiencing. And the act of doing this each day elevates our understanding of life, our purpose, how we see others, and how we interact with God. There's a fable from Aesop about a slave who stumbles upon a lion, and the lion is bellowing in pain because the thorn was stuck in its paw, and despite the obscurity of this moment, the slave asks the lion if it would promise not to eat him if he would remove the thorn from his paw. The slave removes the thorn as the lion roars in relief, only to run off in painless freedom. But some years later, the slave and the lion are captured. The slave is thrown to the lion. The starved lion bounds and roars towards the slave. Upon recognizing his friend, he fawns over him and licks his face like a lapdog. Gratitude, concludes Aesop, is a sign of a noble soul. And the other simple and profound way to raise Ebenezers in our life is by telling others thank you. How often do people help us without us recognizing or assuming that we're grateful? There's a great and powerful phrase that we can use in our lives, which is thank you. And unlike the social customs of sending thank you cards where you have up to a year to send it, there is no expiration on the impact your gratitude can show on those that give help. So consider the endless people in your life that helped you become who you are. The people that you have taken for granted, why don't you embrace God's good work in your life by telling him thank you with words? As one author put it, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought, and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. So as I look out in this space this morning, I think of Millicent Hopkins whose birthday is today but who every week sacrifices herself to make other people feel loved through her compassion. Thank you. I think of Kay Hawthorne who selflessly for how many decades now has played at these two instruments with so much grace and love even on the Sundays like today where her fingers probably want to fall off because they're so cold. Thank you. I think of Kim Kwan, who is a dear friend who's been there for me and listened when I needed her the most and gave words of wisdom. Thank you. I think of JP and Glenn and Lauren who have selflessly, for the last six months, gave of themselves on a Sunday to make sure that projection and slides and sound work for those both here in person and online. Thank you. Think of Herb Bennett, who's at home right now, who countlessly in his year as the moderator of our governing board called me with a word of encouragement and named in me the gifts sometimes I didn't see in myself. Herb, thank you. So may we take stock of God's immeasurable work in our lives, leading us into a flourishing existence. And turn, may we personify gratitude to God in our soul with words and with actions. So may we embrace the power of thank you, knowing that using it genuinely will lead to a vibrant spiritual journey, understanding of God, and relationships with others.